Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by sports dietitian and internationally recognized expert in keen anthropometry, Francis Hallway. This is the first episode in a three-part series with Francis, and these are rich episodes if you are interested in measuring body composition, talent identification, or understanding the limits of muscle hypertrophy. Francis describes himself as a keen anthropometry addict and a muscle-to-bone ratio explorer. That alone got me curious about who this guy was and what he was doing. But before we dig into the conversation, I think it will be helpful if I define what keen anthropometry is. It's the study of human size, shape, proportion, composition, maturation, and gross function in order to understand growth, exercise, performance, and nutrition. Francis is widely considered the leading authority on the subject. He's an expert at measuring the human body in such a way that you can identify at an early age what sports your children may excel at. In addition, he's great at measuring and understanding skeletal structure and how much muscle mass your frame can carry and a host of other health and human performance related factors. In this episode, we discuss how to accurately measure body composition, why BMI is misleading, and why muscle mass is equated to health. But before we get started, I want to make you aware of a unique resource available to you. If you are looking for information or resources to improve your mind, body, and recovery, then sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. Every Friday, you'll get an email from me where I'll bring you cutting-edge science and tools you can use now to improve the way you look, feel, and perform. Sign up now by going to www.ericquorum.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Well, Francis, it's a pleasure to have you on the blueprint today. I am thrilled to dig into this topic because as somebody that spent a lot of years in human performance, some of the things that you are working on are now answering some of our deeper questions on athlete development and human potential. But before we get into that, would you mind giving us a background on what anthropometry, specifically keen anthropometry is, and then how you got into this field? Okay. Um, thank you, Eric, for having me. It's an honor. Uh, anthropometry is uh, made up of two words. It means the measurement of a human being. And um, it's based on engineering equipment that was used in the late 19th century to measure uh, fossils. After Darwin's publication in 1859 on his theories, people started digging up bones and started measuring them using basic engineering tools. So that's how it really came about. And one thing led to another and they started measuring live humans. Hmm. <laughs> so when, when they started measuring live humans, the main interest was in, in the bone structure, but then it led on to body composition. And specifically in the 1940s, there was a naval engineer. He was involved with recruiting soldiers for the World War II effort. And he was aghast when the whole Redskins football team was deemed not adequate to be soldiers because they were overweight according to their weight to height ratio. Uh-huh. 
So he said, we need another method. So he started this underwater weighing. He, he worked a lot with um, scuba divers in the Navy. So he knew the problem of nitrogen poisoning and nitrogen accumulates in your fat tissue. So, so scuba divers that had more fat had more problems with this nitrogen poisoning. So he developed a system to assess the density of, of, of people. Uh, and then he correlated that with body fatness. So that, that was the start of it in 1941. And then of course, these skinfold measurements started to correlate with body density and were used, especially in the 70s and 80s, they were, they, they were used for, for assessing body fatness. And then technology stepped in with uh, other methods like bioelectrical impedance, then imaging techniques like DEXA, uh, magnetic resonance imaging, they started to come about and, and, and sort of take over the field. So the anthropometry part was sort of left in the back seat. It was something of exercise physiology in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I was in, in Argentina and we didn't have access to a lot of technology. So I had no way of accessing, you know, good technology to assess body composition. So I had to rely on these old tools. But um, as things happened, this new technology took away a lot of the measurements of the, an analysis of the bone structure that was actually done by, by army personnel in 50 years ago. Mm. It was quite important. And then the emphasis shifted to body fat testing and body fat was everything and just body fat, body fat, body fat. However, I think in that's because Cuba, of people's obsession with looking fit or was it more of a thing, more of a, um, a concentration on preventing disease? Actually, it was both. Eric, mm-hmm. on the one hand, researchers at universities were uh, with the obesity, the rise in the obesity epidemic. They were trying to go beyond the body mass index, height to weight ratio, and they were trying to assess body fatness with different methods. And then the fitness boom came about also. That actually started in 1975 with, coincided with Rocky, the first Rocky and (laughs) Pumping Iron and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great movies. Yes. In parallel to the obesity epidemic, you had the, the fitness movement trying to assess body fat and athletes as well. An exercise physiologist uh, evaluating athletes, so that took hold and um, um, became became the norm. However, the, the emphasis was on mainly on body fat, and they sort of left behind what I consider to be more important tissues, uh, mainly the engine of movement, which is muscle mass, mm. which is also a very important uh, issue in health because muscle mass is equated to health. And um, the main problem we have now, especially with baby boomers, is sarcopenia or the loss of muscle mass and function and insulin resistance related to it. So muscle mass is now gaining importance. Strength training is gaining importance, eating enough protein. And um, a lot of research is going into this field so as the assessment of muscle mass is, uh, in my opinion, more important than body fat. And when it comes to athletics, especially elite ath- athletes, most athletes are already lean. The difference in performance has to do with the amount of muscle and not with the amount of fat. Absolutely. I mean, that's the difference between, you know, even in 
positions like NFL football or American football, we have large linemen. You don't want fat linemen. There is a certain amount of fat that they're going to have to carry, uh, especially on the offensive line, because it's it's such a isometric position, so to speak. There's a lot of quasi isometrics and they're having to absorb a lot of force and they have to be bigger. But yeah, there's, you're never looking for a, a, a fatter sprinter. You're looking for a more powerful, explosive, elastic, reactive sprinter. Would you talk about just for a few minutes, you went back, you, you mentioned earlier DEXA, underwater measurement, the types of measurements you're doing. Could you just talk about the different types? You know, there's calipers and the type yes. of error variance you see between these. And is there really one that you... You're like, this is the absolute gold standard in your opinion versus, you know, another. Yeah, that's the that has been the issue of many discussions in research. Mm -hmm. The latest uh, reviews point out to the fact that there is no perfect method. Mm. I mean, the ideal method would be kind of our dissection or the problem is there's some ethical issues involved and people don't come for the second consultation. <laughs> so there's, it, you, you cannot cut open people and analyze. So then the next best thing was to do cadaver analysis to validate all these methods. Mm -hmm. Now that in itself is a very, very cumbersome and legally difficult research to undertake because organ donation has priority because there may be religious decisions to respect regarding the, the state of the cadaver. Mm -hmm. And because of a lot of the cadavers are, that, that have died, have died in a state that is not adequate for body composition analysis because they lost a lot of weight because of a cachexia or a cancer or, or having some, some type of disease. So it's very difficult to carry out. Therefore, we, we're left in a gray area regarding body composition and with different experts claiming their method is the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a gold standard. The, the, I think there are different, there's a different context of what you need. So this is like carpentry. So if I need to cut a board, I choose a saw. If I need to drive a nail, I choose an, a, a hammer. If I if I have to screw a screw, I, I choose a screwdriver. So if I need the body density of bones, I choose DEXA. DEXA, I love DEXA. It's a $100,000 machine. The problem is people that are taller than 6'4", or that weigh more than 220 pounds or 250 pounds, they don't fit into the machines. Right. So you have to choose whether to cut off the feet or the head or the right <laughs> arm. It's, it's cumbersome. It's yeah. not perfect. Then every, every method has its, its flaws, has its error analysis. And um, the idea, bioelectrical impedance as well, another of the more popular methods, infrared interactance is another one, magnetic resonance imaging, and anthropometry with skinfold calipers and calipers to measure bone breaths and tapes to measure girths, muscle girths. That also has uh, error. Now, what do we do? If, we, if we're going to choose an inexpensive tool like anthropometry, we have to make sure the measurements are done properly. So there is an international certification entity to achieve a level of precision and accuracy to be given this 
anthropometry driver's license. Then there's equipment calibration, then there's error analysis. We estimate the technical error measure of repeated measures so that, for example, I'm comparing your body fat or your muscle mass from month to month. We know, if we know our error, then we know whether that change in a month is due to a loss of fat or a gain of muscle, or if that change is within our error bands. So we work with a certainty of uh, error analysis. We never talk or claim beyond our error analysis. So if you work with error analysis and you do landmarks and you measure in duplicate or triplicate and you calibrate your equipment, then, then you're, 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 working, you're working well. The other issue, Eric, is validity. How do you know that the muscle mass or the body fat I'm estimating with these equations is what actually is within your body? Now, validation is not all that important to me, even though we have cadaver validation, 25 cadavers done for this validation, because we're working with models. For example, chemistry was developed with models. People couldn't see atoms, neutrons, or protons, or electrons, but they could sense their performance and group them into categories. Mm -hmm. I think it was Medvedev that did it. For example, look at the ancient Greeks. They knew the Earth was round because all celestial figures were round and because when ships went away in the horizon, the hull disappeared before the, the, the sails and the flags on top. So Erastotenes did an experiment 200 years before Christ in ancient Egypt, which was part of Greece, and he measured, he measured the, sh the, the shadow a pole would do on the ground at 12 noon on June 21st, solstice. He was in Alexandria when there was no shadow, the sun was directly above, and he had his uh, scientific partner 200 miles away do the same thing in another city, Siena, he measured the shadow so he could calculate the angle of the Earth. He knew, he knew Euclidean geometry, so he estimated the circumference of the Earth with an error that was less than 1%. It's amazing. This was 200 years before Christ. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so he didn't know the Earth was flat, flatter at the equator. So this is the same thing. We're working with geometric models. It doesn't matter if they're absolutely perfect or valid. What matters is that we can measure before and after and see differences, that we can correlate this to performance and health, okay? And that we can infer that we can infer cause and effect with them. So I'm not too worried about having the exact, exact validity uh, in the same way, you know, ancient Greeks were not interested in the perfect circumference of the earth. So if I could summarize, if you have somebody that's highly skilled with calipers and measurement and they're, they're, um, they say they got to the ISAC certification and they're consistently measuring over an interval of time, you can look at that trend line, right? If you're, if you have somebody that yeah. can fit inside a DEXA and you have access to a DEXA and you're consistently measuring and the, and the machinery is calibrated and hydration statuses are are accounted for, then you have a trend line. And so exactly. it's, it's, it's the tool, it's the, the carpenter using the tool, how skilled they are, and then how frequently you do it. Does that, is, that a good, is that a good summary of this? That's an excellent summary, Eric. That's an excellent summary. You have better summary capacity than I do, <laughs> I at least in English. So. 
<laughs> I just do a lot of podcasts. Well, I'm excited about our next conversation where we're going to talk about how this can be used uh, to analyze or potentially predict somebody's ability to perform in a specific sport, talk about hypertrophy and a few other subjects. So I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and post it on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you post stuff. And please make sure to tag me and tell me why you like this episode and what you'd like to hear more of in the future so I know what content to create for you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.